0: come on, church man oh man it's been a God awesome day already right come on yes are you with me man oh man it's great to be back here with you man I love I love that we are a church that keeps the main thing the main thing around here and that is Jesus right amen, amen. we're all about Jesus but hey good morning to all of you who are joining us online Good morning to all of our guests this morning. We are stoked that you are with us this morning. Either you came, yeah, look it, give up for our guests, church, come on. We are stoked that you are here with us. Either you decided to come because you saw there was a building you wanted to check out, what happens inside, or you came with family members because someone was getting baptized this morning and you came here. Either way, I don't care how you got here this morning as a church, we are stoked that you are with us. Right? Come on. We love the fact that you're here. We pray that before you walk out those doors, you understand how much God loves you through his son, Jesus Christ, how that was poured out for all of us. Church, open your Bibles, if you would, your Bibles or your Bible apps to Matthew chapter one, verse one. Matthew chapter one, verse one. And if you grabbed an orange Bible on the way in, you will find it on page 657, 657. If you grabbed an orange Bible and you don't have a Bible of your own, please take it. That is our gift to you. If you saw them, you're like, "What are those there sitting on that table as you walk through the doors?" And you don't have a Bible, grab one on your way out. We believe in, in the Word of God. We believe it's a powerful and effective. Right? It sharpens the double edged sword. It separates bone and marrow. It penetrates our lives and challenges us to become more like Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I'm going to say it right now because it's not in the message this morning, church. There you go. So if you don't have a Bible, there it is. I say it all the time. Read your Bible. This morning, this morning we have, we turned the page as a ministry and have our sights on Christmas. Come on, Christmas, right? I've got one amen. Come on, Christmas. Come on. Yeah, Christmas. It's right around the corner. Listen, I understand uh, there's some of you who are a little bit uh, crazy and you've been thinking about it since July, but and we're just catching up but I love Christmas, man. It's my favorite time of the year. There's something about the Christmas season that changes our hearts if we let it. You know what I'm talking about? There's something about the season, focusing on the peace and the coming of Christ, that changes our hearts if we let it. So this, as we get there, if you have heard it already this morning, we're talking about this Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve service is coming up it's in, what, two weeks? It's December 24th. We think we can work that one out. We have three services that morning, three, I mean that afternoon, 3 p.m., 4.30, or 6 p.m. Now, where there's no morning services, make sure you're clear, if you show up that morning, there will be nobody here but you, and maybe someone else who showed up. You, maybe you can talk and sit down and have a Bible study together on the picnic tables. Either way, We won't be here. We'll be here that afternoon to come and celebrate the birth of our Savior together. Now, we've been handing out invites. We've been talking about this kind of stuff. And uh, I need to share with you, I mean, if you pray for an opportunity, you're going to get them on your way out the packets of five. If you pray for an opportunity, pray over these invites, God's going to give you an opportunity to invite we all have people in our life that need to hear the hope of Jesus Christ. They need to experience the love of Jesus for themselves. And Christmas Eve is an amazing opportunity that God gives us to not only celebrate as His children, but also bring people in who might not normally come to church on a normal basis. They're like, maybe they think they walk in the building, the building's gonna burn down. I have no idea. I know I felt that way before I started attending church, but this is an opportunity to do just that. And again, if we pray, God's going to give us an opportunity, so I got to share with you this morning, this is kind of of funny, and embarrassing altogether, God, I was praying that God would give me an opportunity, and God gave me an opportunity this past week, as I was coming down Coal Mine Road, coming into the office church uh, during the middle of the week, um, I got pulled over. (laughs) Come on. I got pulled over. Um, I'm driving down the road, listening to some music, just having a good old time, and here comes a police officer driving this way. I'm like, yep, I just turned to turn the single on and pulled right over. They, he didn't have his lights on. I was like, he's got me. He's got me. And they came up. and started talking to me. And he says, well, can I see your license registrations? I'm like, absolutely. He goes, I pulled you over because you're doing 55 and a 40. And I was like, 40? It says 45. <laughs> Can't argue with a police officer. It was 40. I said, well, then you have every right to, to pull me over. And so he says, We're, you, everything checks out. I'll give you a warning this morning. We're going to let you go. And I said, that's awesome. He went back. And, and then I started realizing in my driver's license, it has an old address. I uh, hope he's not watching. hope he's not watching this morning. It has my old address. <laughs> and so I could get a ticket for that. I think, this, I am going down this morning. There's no way I'm going to make it to the office. And so he proceeds to come up and he tells me, he said, well, here's your warning. Thank you. I said, officer, thank you so much for being kind. Can I just do something odd? He goes, what's that? I said, can I invite you to Christmas Eve services at Vertical Church? (laughs) Come on. Come on. He just laughed at me. and He goes, what, are you one of the ministers there? I'm like, yeah, one of the pastors. You come. It's an amazing place. I'm on my way there right now. So listen, do not think that God won't give you an opportunity. If you want one, just go 55 down coal mine, and God will present you with an opportunity, all right? Shoot. I'm a stinking mess. Thank you, Jesus, for that opportunity. I hope he comes. Oh, my word. So you get some invite cards, friends. Hand them out. Pray over them. Invite people to come. It's an amazing evening. We're planning. We're praying. It's going to be a lot of fun that that night. Uh, You don't want to miss it. And the people who come... We'll hear the message of hope of Jesus Christ, because we'll present that every single Sunday, every single Christmas. You got me? All right. All right. All right. Well, to get there, to get to Christmas Eve, we're, we're walking through our, our series for the season, Unexpected Christmas. Unexpected Christmas. Now, listen, if the past several years have taught us anything in life, is that you and I, we need to be ready for the unexpected when it comes to life. We come to recognize over the past several years that our assumptions can be dangerous when it comes to life, that our plans truly are based on God's design, amen? Are we were like, we're going to go do these things. We're have all this stuff. And I was like, God's like, Haha, detour, right? It happens all the time. And having this understanding that things happen unexpected in our life gives us an excellent view into this series. Because truly, so much of what took place in the first century with Jesus happened in a completely unexpected way. And so, for the next three weeks, we're going to dig into the unexpected of Jesus his arrival, his plan, and how the world responded to the the arrival of its Savior. That's what we're going to walk through for this entire series. So, as we get through this morning, as we step into the book of Matthew, This morning, it's important for us to know that God had been silent for almost 400 years at this point. He last spoke through the prophet Malachi, and then he shut down all communication with his people for four centuries. Now, during that time, God's people were reading and learning from the Hebrew scriptures, what we call our Old Testament. They were waiting for the coming Messiah, the Christ, the one God promised to send that would change absolutely everything. Because if you dig into the Bible and read the Old Testament over and over, it repeatedly shows that he was coming. And they shared this truth together as a family. They memorized the passages. So much scripture memory was done in the Old Testament times. They didn't have apps. They didn't have phones. They didn't have all these printed Bibles that you and I have. They sat around as a family and memorized chunks of Scripture. Can we do that, church? Come on. They memorized the passages. They passed it down to their children. They understood that the government was going to be on his shoulders, that he was going to come and he was going to be the prince of peace, that he was the holy one of God. And when Jesus came on the scene in the way that he did and where he came from, it left them all wondering how in the world can this be true? How could this be what God was talking about? Now fast forward to to the 21st century. You and I pick up our modern Bibles. We start reading. We have the Old Testament and a New Testament, right? We start beginning in the beginning and walking through the Old Testament. We, too, hear all about God's coming Messiah. But this day, in the church age, we have been blessed with the second half of God's revelation. That is the New Testament. We get to see how it's all going to unfold, what God was going to do. Now, listen. I want us to stop for a second and think about this. Not from how we may see this this morning, but I want us to look through this through the eyes and lens of someone who has never heard of Jesus, someone who's never read the Bible before. Could you imagine their anticipation? Could you imagine their excitement? They've read about all God's ways. They picked up, they started in Genesis 1, and they're reading through what God's gonna do over and over again. He's gonna come send the one. He's gonna start it all over again. It's gonna be absolutely amazing. Could you imagine what they're feeling in all their excitement? Maybe they heard the name Jesus before, but it wasn't a con- But maybe it was in the context of a swear word in their home. And they pick up the Bible and they're reading. And they get to the New Testament. We're ready. You and I are, are ready. We're stoked to see what God's going to reveal next. And we open up to the book of Matthew at chapter one, and we read the first verse, look it on the screen. It says, This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Wait. What? This is a genealogy? This actually literally means the origin of the Messiah. The origin, the account of the Messiah. This is the good news that we've been waiting for, that God chose to proclaim to me and you and all humanity. Is Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. He wants to reveal a family tree. Cue the balloon deflating. We're all excited. God's going to send the one, and next thing you know, God's going to reveal some amazing things to us, and it's a family tree. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but I have never been one to get all excited about my family's history. Now, I do say that lightly, knowing that there's some families in a room with four generations with us, and just because I said that out loud that I'm not, I'm not keen about family history, you're already give me the stink eye. But there are some in my family that are all up in this kind of business. There are some in my family who have written books about my family tree, my history, the family line on my mom's side, the Wilsons. They trace back to the Northern Ireland, and they say, there's a really good chance that I'm related to President Woodrow Wilson. Just so you know, he was the 28th president back in 1912. And maybe, maybe you're one of those people. You get all excited about your shit. That's okay. But for some reason, that doesn't excite me. So when I and most normal people first opened up the beginning of the Bible, the New Testament, and see that God decided to reveal a family tree, I wasn't so excited. I wasn't all pumped up inside. I wasn't fired up, saying, "Yes, God, that's absolutely amazing." Is anybody here with me on this? Someone show me. Is am I the only one? Okay, thank you, thank you. With that, I appreciate that. Don't leave me up here alone. Didn't bring all the excitement. I wasn't jumping up and down. I wasn't ready to run around. Jesus genealogy. <laughs> there is one. I kind of walked us in this morning because here, right here, is where we need to watch our assumptions. Our assumptions, like our perspectives, blind us to reality, especially when it comes to Scripture. When we assume there's a good chance we are going to miss something amazing. So, in our lack of excitement, We're going to continue to read now. Look at this, verse 2 through verse 6. It says, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez. Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Abinadab. Aminadab, the father of Nishon, Nishan, the father of Solomon. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obadad, whose mother was Ruth, Obad the father of Jesse, Jesse the father father of King David, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Let's just stop right there. The list goes on and on. In fact, if you actually read it, it, there is 42 generations shared. And if we were to stop here and look actually at the lives that we just read, not mumble through them like we always do when it comes to genealogy, Okay, I did it. I read it. You know that you do that too. Just say it with confidence. I think if we stopped and looked at those lives, I think we would find something pretty, pretty surprising. And I'm not talking about necessarily in an amazing way. See, if we look back at the people that I just read, Abraham was a father of God's chosen people. You know, that dude slept with a woman that wasn't his wife, and he had a child with her. His name was Ishmael, and the Jews are still fighting against him to this day. Isaac had Jacob, who stole his brother's birthright and blessing. Tamar dressed up as a prostitute and slept with her father-in-law to make sure she had a child. Rahab was a prostitute. David a man after God's own heart was an adulterer and he sent the husband of the wife that he had an adulterous relationship with to, to the front line so he could be killed to cover his tracks. And that's just a tip of the iceberg. If you were to continue reading through the rest of those generations, there are ruthless kings, people who are far from God, deep in corruption and filled with deceit. But as I read through this, as you read through this, there's often something that we miss, a list of imperfect people that God used to bring the perfect son of man, and as I stop and think through what this means for my life, what it means for you and me, hope starts to rise. Why? Because they were messed up people just like me. Come on. They were messed up people just like me and my family tree. There is so much pressure in our society to have and to be perfect. So much pressure on you students. Like you need to get the champion of grades, 4.0 or bust. You need to be the star athlete in every sport that you play. You need to be the top of your line. You need to, be, you need to work through this corporate ladder. You need to get on the, there is so much pressure in our lives to be perfect. I just read a bunch of names of imperfect lives. People they're pretty, pretty bad. And God used them to bring the perfect son of man into existence, to be born into this world. It's my guess that we don't have to look, look back too far, too many generations to find some messed up people in our background. I know that I can look in the mirror of my family tree, and I see some people who their lives are just like the people that I just read. And I can look in the mirror of my own life, and I can see a man who lived in many ways like those who are on this list. And if we're being honest, friends, I believe that we all can. I don't think we have to look too far back to find someone who is just like this. But that's okay. See, Jesus didn't come to heal the healthy. Right, He didn't come to heal the healthy. He came to heal the broken and the sick. He talks about this in Luke chapter 5 where he says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come, I, Jesus, have come, to call, not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Friends, if we were healthy, if we were just perfect and righteous when the right standing of God we were not messed up people, there would be no need for Jesus. But because we are, we are, right, we all are, we need Jesus. We need Jesus to step into our imperfect life, to transform us through his perfect sacrifice. We need Jesus every single day to become more like him and less like the broken world we were from. There's beauty in this. There's a beauty in this as God started his, his New Testament, the new revelation of Jesus coming this way because what it tells us is that no matter where you came from, Broken family tree, a background full of messed up people, consumed by sin. It doesn't matter how much of that past has carried itself into your life and what you have done. Friends, Jesus knew how messed up we are and he came for us anyways. Come on. Romans 5a says, God demonstrated his, own, his love for us While we're still sinners, Christ what? He died for us. While we were still sinners, broken, rejecting Him, pushing Him away, living for ourselves, He came 2,000 years ago and He died for us today. Friends, that's perfect love. I am so thankful. That our salvation is not wrapped in how we live or measured up through the full but measured up through the fullness of his grace. That's the depth of God's love for us. He decided to come and make a way for the forgiveness of sins in an unexpected way. Now, I believe that there are many in this room this morning that need to hear this today. Because you've been walking through life carrying baggage that's crushing you. The baggage of your family's past or even your own. You look into the mirror and think, there's no way that God would love me or want me, let alone to be with me for all eternity. Or maybe you're in this room this morning and you've given Jesus your life. But there's some things that you've been doing or have done that you're walking in shame. You're keeping your head on the ground. And you believe that, why would God forgive me for living like this? And right now, you're quiet. You're looking around the room and you're thinking that you're the only one here that has a life this way. You may be thinking that you're the only one that has a life messed up. Friends, we can look around this room and we see people acting normal. We showed up, we have smiling on our faces, we're greeting people in a coffee shop, we're coming in, we got our hands raised up praising Jesus, praising God in worship. We look as if we have all of our lives together this Christmas season. Let me just tell you, that couldn't be further from the truth. If you feel like you're alone, look around the room. We all have messed up lives one way or the other. That is why every single one of us needs Jesus. We need Jesus for salvation, and we need Jesus in our life every single day afterwards. Matthew West wrote a song a few years back called Truth Be Told. And I want to share a few lyrics with you because I think it reveals the shell game that many of us play when it comes to living a life with Jesus. Here, listen to these lyrics. Lie number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask you how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. Lie number two, everybody's life is perfect except yours. So keep your messes and your wounds and your secrets safe with you behind closed doors. Truth be told, the truth is rarely told. Now I say I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. Hey, I'm fine. But I'm not. I'm broken. And when it's out of control, I say it's under control. But it's not. And you know it. I don't know why it's so hard to admit it. When being honest is the only way to fix it, There's no failure, no fall, there's no sin that you don't already know. Let the truth be told. Friends, if you are one of those this morning who are hiding, God is speaking directly to you. To your baggage, to your pain, to your past, to your loneliness, to your shame, to your fear, to your struggle, to your addiction, to you. Jesus came in an unexpected family tree, in an unexpected way to lay down his life for an unexpected people. You and me. Come on. I mean, think about this. Understanding that simple truth should plow us over with hope this morning. Knowing that my past and present failures, where I came from, who I came from, doesn't carry one ounce of weight to my redemption story and the joy I received for Jesus, just just blow our minds. Hallelujah, we've been shouting, right? Come on. Tell me doesn't fire someone else in this room. That no matter what you've done in your past, what you did last night, it doesn't weigh into what Jesus wants to do and can do in your life if you let him. You're imperfect. Embrace it. We all are. That's why God sent his son. Hope was born, and every Christmas for the past 2,000 years is a reminder that every life is a story, and in every story has a beginning and an end, and what we have to decide this morning, friends, will you allow God to finish your story in an unexpected way? Will you allow God to finish your story in an unexpected way? The end's not written yet, is it? Is it? As long as you have breath in your lungs, you have hope within your grasp. You can let this Christmas season be the one that defines your eternity and proclaims God's glory. But you have to decide if you're going to allow him to do that. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, yet all who died to receive him, those who received receive him, those who believed in his name, he gave right to become children of God. Listen to this. Children not born of natural descent or human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Friends, this is telling us God is waiting right here, right now, wanting to choose you, you coming into his life. But you have to make the decision: will I let him or not? Has nothing to do with your past. Has nothing to do with your family's past. Salvation has everything to do with Jesus and what He has done in your life. Allowing Him to step in your life, surrendering your life to Him. He is still wanting to write your story. C.S. Lewis says this we must stop regarding unpleasant or unexpected things as interruptions of real life. The truth is, interruptions are real life. The unexpected things are real life. And I hope and I pray that right now your life is being interrupted. I hope your life is being interrupted in an unexpected way with the truth of the gospel. You are living a real life, and it's time for you to grasp the truth of how much God loves you, church. If you've never given your life to Jesus and made him the Lord of life, will you use this interruption this morning in your life right here, right now, to make the decision that changes everything? Will you do that? Don't let your past define your future. That's Jesus' job. I also know there are many of us here who have surrendered our lives to Jesus. He is the Lord of our lives. We too have an opportunity this morning to make the same decision. Will you let God finish your story in an unexpected way? When we surrender our lives to him, our story intersected his story and our lives were changed forever. But what happens is we experience too many Christmases, too many Christmas seasons that didn't reflect the glory of what happened that day 2,000 plus years ago. And then we have a tendency to forget everything that I just shared with you this morning. We get hit with real life. And we forget who God is. We get hit hit with real life. We live real life. And we forget what God has done. We forget that God is faithful. And he sent his perfect son to save an imperfect person. We forget that God who is faithful didn't just send the Messiah. he He used the lives of imperfect people to bring it all to fruition. This whole thing is completely unexpected. And we get so wrapped up in the season, like Dre was talking about this morning, we get so busy, make about so much, I wonder, I wonder if we can just pull this all back. I wonder if this Christmas season we just pull it all back to the origin of all things. the origin of Christmas, the origin of Christ, the Messiah, the, our Son, his Son is born. And maybe, maybe we'll start embracing the truth of what God wants to speak to us this week or the season. Don't make it about everything else in this world. Pull it back to order. That's why God started it this way. This is the origin of the Christ. Perfect God of the perfect life who died for an imperfect people. Maybe that's what we should hold to this Christmas. You with me, church? But as we sit here this morning, it reminds me that God is not done. God still uses imperfect people. In fact, God uses imperfect people to point others to his perfect son. So as you pull it back, the origin of Christmas, the origin of Christ's birth, your life becomes a testimony to all those around you who need him. You with me? What an amazing opportunity that God has given us. Not only what he's done in our life, but we can share that truth with everyone around us. Amen? Imperfect, unexpected family tree brought a baby boy into this world to change lives forever. God loved, so He gave. We believed, so we received. Who do you need to go tell? today. So listen, I know you feel like you're, things are messed up in your life. I know things are like really, you're imperfect, so am I. Just come and hear about Jesus. And let this Christmas season be the best ever. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word of truth. God, I pray you know I was just joking about Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Because you revealed so much in those verses. Your power, your majesty, your authority, your redemption, what you can accomplish. We see things in this world like there's no way. But we know what Scripture says with God it's, in, it's not impossible, it's possible. Thank you for revealing it to us, Lord. That we don't have to be perfect because your son is. And Lord, I pray for this morning for those who are in this room who don't know you. Who have held up their hand. Maybe thought that they weren't worthy to come to you. I pray this morning, your word of truth shattered that obstacle in front of them. Right now, I'm going to call our prayer team forward. And if that's you in this room, I want to encourage you before you walk out those doors, let this be an interruption. Let this be an unexpected interruption in your life. And come on up and pray with our team and surrender your life to Jesus Christ then truly this would be the best Christmas ever for you. And maybe you're in this room this morning, and you've been walking, you've been been hiding in the shadows, you've been like that, the lyrics of the song that I sang, you're kind of looking around the room thinking, man, my life is messed up, but everybody else's life is perfect. And man, you want to lay that burden at the foot of the cross this morning, I'm going to encourage you to come up after service. Talk to our prayer team. Say, listen, I am struggling here. Help me. Lift me up in prayer. I could use this this morning. God, thank you. Thank you for calling us to be with you. Thank you for giving us everything we need for life and godliness. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. We praise you for this morning watching these individuals take their next step with you. God, don't stop. Continue to show the world that your perfect son was sent to save an imperfect people and let lives be changed forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next Sunday.